0: It's great to have Dan here to speak to us. I'm going to be reading from first Samuel, first Samuel chapter two. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Heavenly Father, those words are so true. I'm grateful for the friendship that you have allowed me to have with Dan, where on many occasions with my friend we would pray, you are our rock and only you. And we were content with that. I thank you for my dear brother and I pray for your blessing on his ministry. And I will miss being in battle with Dan. In Jesus' name.
1: I chose to preach on this passage in First Samuel because it is dear to my heart. Many of you know the story of my wife and I, that for years we were unable to have children. For seven years, in fact, we prayed and we had no children. All of our friends were having kids. And we watched and we wept. And sometimes we were joyful for them, but we, we hurt when they, when they had kids and, and we couldn't and we didn't understand. And those were some hard times. And I, I prayed with a friend just on uh, Friday morning who's going through that. And many of you maybe are going through that infertility. And, and God works differently with, with all of His children. And, and this story just really means a lot because it's really our story. So I'm going to read about this dear sister Hannah, and if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to get to the part that Joe read in a minute, but I wanted to start off in chapter 1 because you got to get the whole story. It's it's a great story. There's some funny parts, Um, and I want you to follow along with me. We're going to kind of go through it little by little. But before we do that, I'd like to pray, too, for this time. Bow with me. Father, I pray that you would teach us many things from your word today. I've been praying for weeks that this message would be from you to encourage our hearts. Lord, I pray that I would get out of the way and that your word would speak, that it would encourage in however you want it to encourage. And I pray that the few observations and applications that I offer from this passage would also be from you and be an encouragement to this body. Father, I thank you for the work that you've done in my life. I thank you for the work that you are doing here at CBC. And I ask you, Lord, to continue your work here. In Christ's name, amen. All right, well, first thing that you should know is that Hannah was one of two wives, right? So today, if she was here, we might kind of be looking over, going, "That why is she here?" You know, but at the same time, though, this woman loved the Lord, right? I I don't know that it was her choice whether she was wife number one or two. I think she was probably the first wife of Elkanah, and this was a man from the northern kingdom of Israel. We won't get into all those interesting details. So I'm going to skip all that, but she was one of two wives. And in, I want you to look at verse 3. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. So her husband, Elkanah, I guess that's how you pronounce it, would take his family, both wives, year after year, they would make this journey to Shiloh to worship the Lord. And sometimes, uh, well, I, I was looking at where is that? What's the distance? I think it's about 14 miles as the crow flies, but that wasn't just a straight shot, you know, there's hills and mountains, and it was it was not an easy journey, and you can imagine back there with the forms of transportation that they had, a few donkeys going over the mountains with your two wives and your second wife's children, she had many, and trying to get there, but year after year, Year after year, they made this journey. That stood out to me. I underlined that in my Bible. That there was a faithfulness in this man. And he was bringing his wife along, and she was also participating in this worship of the Lord year after year. But there was a problem in this family, right? Probably because this is not God's really design for marriage. There was times when it was permissible, but permissible does not mean that it's good. All the time. And in this situation, what happens? The, the second wife, her name is Paniah. And let me read about Paniah. Verse four, whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife Paniah and to her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, Her rival, Benaiah, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. So you see this faithful husband taking his wife, his wives, to the place of worship. Year after year, faithfully doing that. And it seems, it doesn't seem, what happened was the one of the wives, year after year after year, is torturing Hannah. Right? Probably because she had kids and Hannah didn't and she knew that was a tender, tender subject. And what a great time to irritate her, right? Maybe, maybe drive her away so that she had all of Elkanah's attention. I'm not sure her reason, but it seems like she was kind of mean. Right? Year after year, but Hannah continues to go. Like, I, I think some of us would probably say, look, I'm not making that journey this year. You, got, you can go with her and the kids. I'm staying here. I'm not making that journey again. But she, year after year, whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and could not eat. She, she just kept doing it, even though it pushed her to the point of weeping. It pushed her to the point where she could not eat. There was great emotional turmoil. And I want to point out something else that's interesting. In verse 5, it says, the Lord had closed her womb. Isn't that interesting? The Lord saw her. The Lord knew her. The Lord closed her womb. Why? I'm not sure why. But later, he gets a lot of glory from what he does. And... When he chooses to bless her with children, there's a lot of glory there that he receives. But for a time in her life, he closed her womb. She didn't understand it. This was a great trial, a great suffering for her and her husband. He was your typical man, right, in his response to his wife. Look at verse 8. This really stood off the page to me because I have said these same things to my wife when we were struggling with fertility. He says, well, it says, Elkina, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? It struck me as so funny. His answer to her emotional turmoil is, eat something, woman, right? Here, here, eat another donut. That'll help. Aren't I worth more to you than 10 sons? I've said those kinds of things to my wife, trying to fix and help the problem and making the problem worse. I believe he really loved his wife. I think there's no doubt. I mean, he gave her a double portion. He he loved her, but he didn't know what to say. He he tried to fix the problem rather than just love his wife. And and we do that sometimes. Now, she doesn't, this is interesting, verse 9, she doesn't turn down the offer for food, right? Once, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. And this is where it be, kind of begins this prayer I'm going to share with you. So she does take him up on the offer for food. Apparently, this was going to be a long day of prayer. I believe it was going to be a long day there. They they made this long journey. Seems like they would have a meal in the morning. They would spend the day praying and they would have a meal at night. I don't know if there was a lunch break in there or not. Um, it seems to me that's how it plays out here. But she takes him up on that offer. She eats. Um, now let's look in starting in verse 10. And I want you to see how she prays. This means so much to me. I love the picture here of how she prays. And we'll talk about this more. But look in verse 10. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. I love that because here she is. She's bitter. She's angry. She's hurting. And yet it doesn't keep her from going and praying with the Lord. That's the things that she does. She goes and she prays to the Lord. And she's making, verse 11... And she made a vow saying, Oh, Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all his days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. She's, She's making vows. She's praying. She's so intense. She had a trust, a faith that was great in what the Lord could do. Year after year, she's repeating, I think, this pattern. Year after year, she's coming and she's praying. And in this story right here, Eli, who is the priest, happens to be sitting by the doorpost or something in his chair. I would love to walk through there visually and see what this room looked like. But somewhere in this room, Eli is sitting there. I don't know if there's a bunch of other people there. I would assume there were some. But he was close enough, he's the priest there, and and he was close enough that he could observe her when she came in for this time of much prayer. And in verse 12 it says, and she kept praying to the Lord, and Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk. Right, I, I would imagine that Eli, he was real familiar with this scene. As you read on in the book of First Samuel, you see that his sons were very wicked. In fact, they would bring wicked women into the temple. He would do; they would do wicked things with these women. Eli probably had seen some wicked women come, who were probably could have been drunk. You know, maybe they were offering up their beer prayers. Right, I have uh, known some folks who when they drink, they become very religious. They they start to preach and they start to pray and they start to proclaim all these good things about God. And then in the morning when they sober up, it's gone. And I believe Eli was familiar with that kind of woman because they were coming and going on his watch. And that's what he thought Hannah was doing. That was his judgment of her. Just from sitting there and kind of watching her, and and I would imagine maybe we would have concluded the same thing if we were just sitting there. We didn't talk to her. We just watched her, and maybe we'd seen her. I remember her from last year. This woman really causes a scene, right? And he says this to her. He says, "How long will you keep getting, keep on getting drunk? Get rid, get rid of your wine." Like, he 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 approaches her and says this. That was probably pretty offensive to her, but listen to what her response is. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. I wonder what he thought at that moment. Like, did he think, oh, man. Now that we're talking, I realize she's not drunk. I, I see that. She is praying. I've never seen or rarely seen anyone pray like this with such enthusiasm, with such abandonment, right? She clearly did not care what anybody thought in a public place and, you know, her mouth is moving. I can imagine maybe her hands are up, tears rolling down her face and she's crying out to the Lord, but no words are coming out. And people are probably going, let's go to the other side of the temple and pray. It's a little bit. This lady, you know. But I love that. She was pouring. She tells him, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for one of those wicked women. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And I love that we see this passionate, passionate, woman who, who loves the Lord and who brings her problem to the Lord. She brings her trial to the Lord year after year after year. And she had every reason to say, I'm not doing it anymore. Right. She had these, those second wife saying, you know, you're not good enough. You know, he doesn't love you as much as me, whatever she was saying. And, and she could have said, I'm done with all this, but year after year, after year, there's this faithfulness. And she continues to pour out her soul. Well, Eli hears what she says. And he tells her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Apparently, she found some hope in those words of Eli She thought, okay, God has heard my prayer. The priest has heard my prayer. We'll see. I bet she was hopeful. We'll see what happens. I'm excited. She was, she was ready to see what God would do. And I believe that the Lord delights so much in this kind of communion with Him. That example that we see in her where she didn't, she wasn't bound by the rules. She's just talking to the Lord. she's not. She wasn't praying so that Eli would hear that prayer. She wasn't like, I'm going to stand close to the priest because that will give me the answer to my prayer. She was praying to the Lord. The priest just happened to be there. He just happened to overhear it. And I think the Lord wants us in our prayers to direct those to him. Whether that's when we come up here on Sundays and and men offer up prayers, they should be to the Lord. Whether it's in our quiet place. When we go and spend time with the Lord and, and we're off by ourselves. those prayers need to be to the Lord. They're, they're not for show. They're not to impress. I've struggled with that for years sometimes in my ministry where I'm like, I can't get up here and pray because my, my prayers are going to be botched. They're going to be jumbled. I'm not, I, I'm too emotional. It's not going to come out the way that's clear. And, and I think God says, just pour out your heart to me, whether you're alone or in front of a thousand people. She was motivated in these prayers, these yearly prayers, by, by some pain. And the Lord heard, heard those prayers every year, I believe. There wasn't one year where she prayed this prayer for a son that God just wasn't present or that God ignored her. God heard her. I don't know what, how many years went on, but I would imagine what the, the first, the, the other wife had several children. So I would imagine it was a, a pretty big span of time where she prayed for a son and it didn't happen. It, it, she prayed and she prayed and it didn't happen. And then now, after this time of prayer, we're going to pick up and look at what God does. Let's look at verse 19. I don't know if they were there for just one day, uh, but it says, early the next morning they arose and worshiped the Lord. So after this day of prayer, after eating and and all of this, uh, she goes away. Early the next morning she gets up and she worships. I underline that too. I've found so much joy in those early morning wake-up times where you just worship the Lord. By myself. Nobody else. Just me. You know, a few weeks ago when I was supposed to preach this message and I got called away to spend a week with my daughter in the ICU, um, I had some of the best times of worship in that hospital room because in the mornings, oftentimes that was my shift. Cindy had been there all night and she'll, she'll go home and I'd come in early and she could go freshen up and I'd have sometimes several hours just sitting there by myself just reading the word, praying, praying for my daughter, of course, but I, I was, that was the least of my concerns. I, I was just communion with God. I was, Lord, show me what you want me to see. And, and we were having such a wonderful time. And many of you stopped by to encourage us during that time. And many of you cared for our kids during that time or provided meals. And what a, what an awesome thing. You freed me up to be there. And and in those times, there was that morning time of worship with the Lord. Well, she goes back home. Her and Elkanah get together, and the Lord remembers. And she conceives and gives birth to a son. An important person, in fact. Samuel. And she says, she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Her son... Was that answer to prayer? After many years, there he was. God gives her the answer to her prayer. Specifically, like, exactly how she prayed it. Praise the Lord for that. This must have been kind of a faith building thing for her. And I think we see that when we go over into chapter two is that there's a, she responds After the answer to prayer, there's a great response. What Joe read, right? We're going to read that in just a minute. But how cool is it that after all these years, she is seeing, she is holding in her arms the answer to her prayers. God may have said, no, this is not what I have for you. You're never going to have kids. This is not going to be in the books for you. But... He said yes in this case. And she responds faithfully. Remember, she had vowed in her prayer that, Lord, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you forever. And so now that she's holding that child in her arms, you can imagine, okay, now the thoughts that I would be having was, Lord, did you really hear that part of my prayer? (laughs) Like... I I don't want to let this little guy go. How how could you let the baby go to live a distance so far from your home that you can't just go there for you know I want to be with my kids, my babies all the time as when I can, right? That you don't want to be separated from. Them. When I go on a trip, that that hurts. And look at verse 24. After he was weaned, so after a time, there was a time, I don't know how old he was. um, After a time, he was weaned. She took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, As surely as you live, My Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life he shall be given over to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. She followed through with what she vowed she would do for the Lord. And it's a beautiful thing. And and it wasn't like she would never see the kid again she continues to go year after year after year she always would bring him like a new robe or something there was still involvement there she got to see the boy grow up in the temple but that must have been hard but there's faithfulness there she did what she told the lord that she would do i think that shows that there's a, she had a great confidence in the lord Right, who better to raise your child than the Lord? And she, giving him to Eli, was trusting that God was going to raise this child. And then later, if we read on later in chapter two, we see that the Lord then blesses her with several more children after this one. Several more children. And so there's this abundant blessing, the overflowing blessing. She prayed for a son and God gave her many, but it took a while and it was in God's time. We can entrust, we can entrust our dearest, most precious things to the Lord. Guys, you can entrust Him with those things. I I don't want you to forget that. And then we get to the response and and this is what Joe read. Where she, we see these raw prayers over here when she's in the temple. And then, and then this one, I don't know really how it came about, but she prays this and it's a beautiful prayer. And she's coming back and she's acknowledging, she's, she's saying thanks. She's recognizing the, the one who answered the prayer for her. Let me just read those verses again. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high, or my strength is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. That's one of my favorite verses. Just a great summary of who God is, who she had come to know, through these years of prayer and God had answered, God had worked. That prayer goes on for another eight verses or so. I encourage you to read it. It's, it wasn't, it's not over there with that one I just read, but it is a great prayer to the Lord. And she's declaring the Lord's deliverance and His strength, the Lord's goodness. So many things she declares. And she never, she didn't forget who answered her prayer. She, a lot of times we pray things and God answers the prayers and then we go on and we pray for something else and God might answer that prayer and we go on and we forget to come back and say, God, I, I want to acknowledge the, the answer to my prayer. Thank you. I, I want to tell others the answer to my prayer. Look what God has done proclaiming that. She does that well. And it was an appropriate response. But I suppose that there's probably many applications that we could make. I'm just going to give you three that really stood out to me. And the first one is don't lose heart in your prayers. Keep praying. Don't lose heart. There, there was times when Cindy and I were praying for children. And we, we were losing heart. We were thinking, why even pray for this? God's clearly not hearing this prayer. And we knew that he was, but in our minds, we were thinking, man, we're losing heart. And and it was so cool because in this body, there were so many of you who would come with a note or an email or come to me or Cindy and say, hey, we're praying for you guys every week. The elders used to let me know, we're praying for you every time we meet. And I can remember being so grateful to hear that. And and there's some of you who probably never told me, and you prayed faithfully. How cool is that? We need to not lose heart in our prayers. God may not answer them the way we pray, but he has an answer, and that answer is what's best. That answer is what we need. We are so thankful. Cindy and I are so thankful that we didn't have children for those seven years right now. Because as we go off to California, we are confident God is going to use our young children as part of our ministry, as part of our way to get into this community. He's going to use that through, if we're involved in CEF or Good News Club, I mean, Vacation Bible School, whatever it may be, we have our children who are going to be a icebreaker, maybe as it were, so that we can go to the park and meet people, go to the migrant worker community and and meet people because we have our young children my daughter who already speaks spanish she can go to the park now and just kick up a conversation and make an immediate friend with someone with a child who speaks spanish and then we sit down we sit and we talk with the parents and we're like we love this this is going to be part of our approach in california right He didn't answer our prayer the way and the timing and everything we thought. it. He answered it the way we needed it to be answered perfectly. Second one, in your prayers, let it eat. That's a phrase my dad used to say like when we were uh, riding a motorcycle or whatever, let it eat. Like give it the gas, right? Let it rip. She was unhindered in her prayer with that prayer that we see. She just went into the temple and it was as if she was the only one there and she was just praising the Lord, praying to the Lord, pouring out her heart. For many of us would have been extremely embarrassing, right, to, to lay everything out there. And she just is pouring her heart out to the Lord, weeping. We're afraid to cry, aren't we? Sometimes we're so afraid of showing emotion. I'm getting over that, but I was, I was so afraid of that, but just let it rip. Our prayer should be passionate. Our prayer should be focused. And she was one who, she was praying fervently. And she wanted and she believed that God was the one who would answer that prayer. She didn't care what people thought. Sometimes we need to forget about eloquence. Just forget about it. Who cares? We're talking, I'm talking to the Lord. Lift up your prayers. Make them known. And then the third one is declare His praises. As the Lord answers your prayers, as He works, proclaim, tell people, let us know. It's for our encouragement. What a blessing that we get to declare the praise of the Lord. That she got to, when God answered her prayer in chapter two, she comes back and says, this shouldn't be overlooked. We need to let people know this is our God. He closed my womb and he opened it. I encourage you to read, again, chapters 1 and 2. As I've read this over and over for a month now, every time I read it, there's something else that I'm seeing in that passage and going, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't see that before. It's so good. It's good stuff. It's a, it's a right, uh, way to pray. And I encourage you guys. You guys know that God has been working in my life in a major way since May. He's worked in my life for, for years. Like I trusted Christ when I was four. Like he has been at work. But in May, when I attended this week of prayer in Kansas City, God revived my heart. My heart was, was dry. I was still, doing things. I was still serving, but man, it was hard. I just was struggling to find great joy in that. And then God taught me to pray. And I'm starting to say, there's nothing like this. I I want to go and be with the Lord. I want to I break away. So I have. I've broken away from some of the things that I was giving my time to that were that were robbing me from intimacy with the Lord, and that's hard to do. Several brothers that I've spoken with have said, I am not ready to go there because I'm afraid God's going to ask me to give up too much. There's no greater pursuit. You, You can't give up too much. God wants you to walk with him. He's been refining me, too, in those times, in these last eight months, sometimes very painfully, and my wife, too. And together, we've gone through this refinement. We've gone through this, and we're not... You know, those of you that know me, I have not arrived anywhere. I'm not on the mountaintop. I'm I'm just beginning to climb, but I'm loving this journey, the walk with the Lord that I have now. It is... Centered in God's Word, centered in prayer, centered in my Savior. I can't say enough. I want that for all of you. I want you to know Him so that life is, is, is joyful. Life is joyful for me again. Like, I love life. I love not, like, all the stuff going around us, all the tragedy and fires and, you know, wars and politics, and I'm like, I don't like that stuff, but I'm not focused on that stuff. I'm focused on the Lord, right? That stuff happens and you deal with it and you have to make decisions, but I am walking with the Lord. Whether this choice that we're making to move to California leads to my death, whatever it could lead to, I, I'm we're willing to go. It's a fearful in many ways to go. But last December, when God said, I want you to... Think about this. He he planted that seed. I said, No way, God. And then come May, God had said, I want you to go. And I it was not until then, after that week of prayer, when I said, Okay, God, if that's what you want me to do, I'll leave the comfort and security and the relationships and the and the closeness and the everything that I have here. And I will follow you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for including this story of Hannah. Lord, you showed us her, her struggle. You showed us her her trial. And you showed us how she handled that. And she handled it by going to you in prayer. Fervent prayer. Teach us, Lord, to pray like she prayed. Teach us, Lord, to have the faith and the confidence in you like she had. Help us, Lord, to remember the times when you answer our prayers, to acknowledge that, to praise you. Lord, our our goal, our purpose in this life is to honor the Lord. Help us to do that well. Continue, Lord, to work in this body at CBC. Lord, I pray that you would guide the young and the old to serve you faithfully, regardless of what anyone else around them decides to do. I pray that they would walk with you in faith, in confidence, and in joy. It is so great to walk with the Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen.